it's a thank you note, and it's to uh, not only you, you guys in here, but anyone that has ever put anything in the bucket. We don't have the bucket. It's over there at the Walnut House. That place is still a mess. I have no idea when we'll ever be back there. We may not ever be back there. Does it really matter? We got this great place, right? So, Omar, I, I hope that... I know. So it's super cool. Omar's gone back to the prayer room. He's doing some heavy praying back there right now. We call it sleep. Uh, but this says uh, Refuge Church. It says, thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping to send me out on my trip to Bulgaria. I cannot wait to serve the ladies who have been in human trafficking. And your kindness is enabling me to do that. Thank you. Big, big letters. I am so touched at a church I'm not a member of. And this is, I'm going to take a quick time out. This is what I love about you is that you're not allowing buildings to determine your membership in a particular place of worship. We're saying, the, the folks in here and your pioneers in it, is that we're part of the big church, the big body. And yes, we do kind of cordon ourselves off on particular days of weeks and whatever, but we're saying Jesus trumps all of that, and so we're, we're all uniting through him. And so... She goes on to say, I'm touched at a church I'm not a member of would still help to support me. That blesses me so much to see how the body of Christ surrounds each other, even though they're not close to. Wow, what a blessing and incredible example you are setting. I'm so encouraged and challenged and grateful. If I'm ever in Murfreesboro, I'll swing by. You remember those words that Paul said in one of his letters? He says, I hear your faith. Here it is in 2017. I hear your faith. <laughs> super cool. You guys are super freaking cool. Love y'all. Bunch of freaking warriors. Alright, I'm going to try using this little podium that's as tall as I am. So if you're listening in at home, you can see right over my eyeballs. I feel like this thing's right underneath my armpits. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, all right. Let's have some fun, you know what I'm saying? Man, last week, Mary Catherine got up here. Was that not a blast for, for the folks that were here? Yeah, so it was, it was absolutely marvelous. And what I loved about what she shared, she shared about her shiny thing. And if you weren't here, what she did is she took us through Scripture and said, hey, all of us have this shiny thing. It's it's an anointing, it's a gifting, it's our uniqueness that, that God blows into us on purpose. And that when we allow ourselves to truly start believing that God has gifted us, that God has given these incredible uniqueness to live life, that we become these shiny things. And that you just can't help but be who he's made you. And so that's what I love to see as you are living life with people is that you're helping them discover that they too are shiny. That they have this distinct on purpose gifting that God's blown into you on purpose. And that when all of us come together and all of our uniqueness comes together that there's this, this, this fire that can't be controlled. There's no control on that. People can try to talk you into not doing something, but they're just, they may as well be talking to a wall. 
because you're not going to be able to help it doing that. And so I want to tag on to that and, um, and, and keep that discussion going because one of the things is that when you're trying to listen to the prompting or the leading of God, you know, we'll, we'll hear this in the body of Christ a lot. What, what is God's will for me? Have you ever said that even to yourself? You know, I just, I wish I could really just find what God's will is for me. And over the years, we've said that it's just what Mary Catherine shared last week. That God's entire will wrapped himself up in and through Jesus Christ. You see, his will was for no one to perish. That has always been his will. That still is his will. That's his desire. That's why there's this empty tomb that he just so desperately wants everyone to believe in because in that moment his will is fulfilled in them knowing that he loves them deeply that's it and when you believe that then you start to believe then yes I was made on purpose that he's taking care of any and everything that would ever hinder my relationship with him through Jesus Christ and so that releases us to go out and then really fulfill his will and that's to love him and love others but man that gets so freaking hard <laughs> and quite honestly let's get real let's get real on it we complicate it we start to complicate that you know well, you're just not loving him like i think you're supposed to love him and we start pointing fingers at everybody and we're just going man let's just could we could we not do that kind of get back to the basic here and so what does it feel like for us to follow his prompting? What does it look like for you to follow his leading, his wooing through you? And so this past Tuesday um, in community, Deb asked everybody the week of to read Galatians, and uh, in particular read Galatians 5. And, and it was kind of neat because it, it started talking about what we were uh, talking about last week and even this week. And I love this verse. Listen to this verse here. It's Galatians 5.25. And it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I'm going to read it one more time. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. And that if you were to go back and read Galatians 5, you'll even see where it even says that we're in this constant battle. And so what Paul is reminding the people in Galatians, and quite honestly what he's, what he's doing to remind us is going, be led by the Spirit of Christ that is living within you called the Holy Spirit. And that, yes, there are times that you're going to want to follow the spirit of Bivo or put ever your name in that, the spirit of me. And you can put in here going, what's my motive for doing what I'm about to do? Who's prompting me to take this next step? Who am I following as I'm about to go do or say or not say or do in this next prompting, in this next leading? in this next following. And so here's an example of what one of those moments may look like. Have you ever been going down the road and then someone pops on your mind? 
someone you probably hadn't thought of in for a long, long time, and you go, man, I wonder what old so-and-so is doing. That's a prompting. And so in that prompting, what do we do with it? I have a decision to make in that moment. Do, do I just sit in my wondering? Or do I just go ahead and pick the phone up and not try to figure out the prompting? You see, I think that's where we kind of start putting the brakes on. We start trying to figure out, well, man, I wonder why it pop, popped on my head. Well, it could be this. It could be, it could be this. Instead of just picking the phone up and just having a conversation and going, man, you just popped on my head. I'm just calling. And even do it this way. Even preface it this way, saying, I hope you're celebrating. Instead of going, hey, what's wrong? What's going on with you? Why can't we just say, man, you popped on my head. I'm calling you up. I'm hoping that you're in a place of celebrating. And they may say, man, I am. And so how cool is that phone call? Or you, you, you take a different path to work than you normally do. It's those I'm not sure why moments. I'm not sure why I want to go this way, but I do want to go this way. And so I have a... I have a a decision to make, am I going to follow the prompting? Am I going to trust the leading? Or am I just going to sit in it and wonder? All right? So I, I thought, you know, when I kept seeing that word prompt, I, I kind of feel like that right now. You know the teleprompters? Do you know what I'm saying? They're up there, and, and for God's sakes, everybody's wanting their guy to stay on script, Right? You know, could you please just read the teleprompter? Please don't say anything that you're thinking. Just stay on the freaking teleprompter, please, would you? And keep your phone in your pocket. It's killing us. I couldn't help but get that visual. And so I said, what does prompting even mean? Well, it means to persuade. Or to encourage. It's, it's to remind someone to say to do something or to say something. And so doesn't that make perfect sense that the teleprompter, in a sense, is like that person's Holy Spirit for the moment? And that I have a choice in that moment when I'm standing here and I see all of the words coming, am I going to trust what's coming on the teleprompter? Am I going to trust the words for me to follow through? Because you see, this thing is encouraging me to say. It's leading me to say. It's reminding me to say. It's persuading me to say what the truth is. It, it's persuading me to take the next step. It's helping me take out the wonder. Guess who's it taking out of the equation when I follow the the Holy Spirit as the teleprompter. It takes me out. But who puts me back in it most of the time? Me. It's all about me. What's this going to mean for me if I do take this road? What's going to happen to me if I do call? Let's look at some old boys that I don't think ask those questions. I just believe they trust. And it's not a blind trust. 
Because when we remind ourselves who these guys are that we're about to talk to, we'll see that there's this difference in their life. There was this life before Jesus, and it's like we've said before, there's not an after Jesus, it's a life with Jesus and before Jesus. And so when we say, yes, we're living in this life with Jesus right now, right? All right. So find Acts 4. That's where we're eventually going to get to. And by the time you get to Acts 4, what's been going on, for most of the folks in the room, you guys are savvy veterans, and so you know in Acts 2, that's been the day of the Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit, the promise that Jesus said, I've got to send you a helper. And on day of Pentecost, the, the guys were locked behind locked, closed doors. They were scared to death. And, and the Holy Spirit comes. The promise of the Holy Spirit comes. And so one of the guys, Peter, who had ran because one girl was asking him and saying, hey, you're one of the Galileans. You were on the scene with Jesus, and, and, and you're one of them. And Peter went like crazy. I'm not going to scream that loud. But he, he screamed really loud. No, a bunch, and ran. And so the Holy Spirit comes in this same gap, this same dude, this same man gets up. And he starts talking. You see, before Jesus, he ran. Now with Jesus, he's up and his teleprompter's up. And he's just telling everyone who Jesus is in his life. He's telling them who Jesus is. And in doing so, I love what he says because he's, he's talking to a people so much that there had to be people that saw him run. There were people that had to be there. There were 3,000 people. There had to be some there that saw him the day before Jesus that he had lived with him that he ran. And so they're seeing this same guy stand up and he's telling them about who Jesus is and they're so overthrown by what he is saying. They're saying, brothers, what should we do? I believe you, Peter. I want in. Listen to what he tells them to do. This is in Acts 2, verse 38. He said, each of you must repent. That means to turn, to change your mind. So he's saying each of you must turn, change your mind of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then look what happens. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. This promise is to you and to your children and even to Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Now look, gang, we say these words here, and we've had such a head start on the folks that he's just now talking to. They've asked him a question, what must we do? But then he tells them the significance of receiving the Holy Spirit. Do we just take for granted that everyone on the scene would have known what he was talking about? But he makes a point of it. And so I think the reason a lot of times that the boys are saying what they're saying is because, number one, it's true. Jesus told them, I've got to send you a helper called the Holy Spirit. Now Peter understands by being prompted and led by the Holy Spirit what that feels like now 
versus days before when he ran. He can tangibly tell them the difference in his life being led, being persuaded, being encouraged, being reminded of who and what to say at the moment of when to say it because of the Holy Spirit within him. And so can you imagine the questions coming? All right, so we just read in Galatians, let every part of your life be led by the Holy Spirit. Someone comes up to you tomorrow and wants to know how you do that. Are you ready? Can you walk them through that? Sure you can. Some of you may have said, I hope I never get that asked to me. But you can. Here's the reason why. We're going to move on. Believe and receive. When you, kept on, when you keep on reading in Acts 3, you'll see that each day they were meeting in the temple. They were meeting in homes for communion, the love feast, Lord's Supper. It's all the same thing. And they were sharing everything they had together. And Peter and John are walking to the temple and they're following the prompting. They're following the leading. They, fought, they pass a guy, a lame man, a beggar. And I just love this thing because we're not sure how many times they probably had passed him before, but this guy was sitting by a gate called Beautiful. In this particular day, the lame beggar, who we'll find out later, had been there since his childhood. And so the scores of people that would have passed him each and every day. In this particular day, Peter and John are heading to the temple. And the beggar looks up to them and he's wanting money. He's wanting cash. He's needing help. And they look down at the old boy. And they say, look at me. Silver or gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. <laughs> Get up and walk, son. And he does. They reach down. The old boy's ankles are strengthened, the word tells us. And he's praising God like crazy. You've been sitting on a sidewalk for 40 years. And all of a sudden, you're up. You think he just kind of gave him a fist pump and was out? <laughs> there ain't no way. So Peter and John are like, deuces. Dude, that's good, isn't it? There's no way. And, and so we'll see. They fought, This guy falls them into the temple. I would too. I would just be grabbing him. Dude, you're not getting away from me. And he's in the temple. Now look, gang, they're going to a place every day where these folks know him. And they're talking about Jesus. They're stirring things up. And here comes this cat that the rest of the crowd would have seen by the same gate that they walked by him for day in and day out for years. And it could have been one of those things like, you ever seen someone that's kind of out of context? You know, like I think kids get this a lot when they see their teachers. You know, they're in a the store 
They're getting their favorite box of Captain Crunch. They're going. Miss uh, Spence, Mama, I think I'm pretty sure that's Miss Spence. Do they eat? <laughs> Do teachers eat? She's eating fruity pebbles. You ever, you ever get that? And you go, that that's actually Mrs. Spence. There would have been people that would have seen this guy and go, I, man, that looks like him, but he's walking. Listen to him praising God. That is him. And it's caused so much of a ruckus that the leaders come in. And they don't know what to do with Peter and John because they have just absolutely gotten everyone turned upside down. And they're telling the people the reason why the man has been healed. Their teleprompter, whoop. Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, has healed this man. He is the reason why you see him jumping around and praising God today. Oh, by the way, since we're talking about Jesus, let me just remind you, remember, teleprompter up to remind, to persuade, to encourage. Uh, let me just remind y'all, uh, it's the guy y'all tried to kill. As a matter of fact, you did kind of kill him, but you know that didn't last too long. It's three days later, he comes blasting out of the tomb. Remember that? That's the guy. That's the guy in his name that healed him. And so the leaders come up. It gets better. It gets freaking better. So the leaders come up. Oh, Annas and Caiaphas. You remember them names? Well, those names were the ones that I got my hands up in the air. They're the ones that judged Jesus. They're the ones that said, crucify him. Now look, quick time out. They would remember Peter and John, guys. These two leaders would have remembered Peter and John. And guess who Peter and John would have remembered? These two guys. Before Jesus ran, with Jesus teleprompter, standing before him. And Annas and Caiaphas, they don't know what to do. <laughs> so they do what all of them do. Just, would you just toss them in jail and give us some time? And so they do. They toss them in jail. The next morning, they have the meeting with them. And they ask Peter and John. By whose authority, by whose name are you speaking and having this done? And I believe with everything in me, gang, that this is what went down with them. You, Jesus told them, this is back in Matthew. You don't have to go there. But there was a time, Matthew, when Jesus was sending them out. He was sending the disciples out. It was almost kind of like pre-training. It was almost like boot camp. It was almost like uh, spring training for baseball. It was fall camp for football. When Jesus was living with them, he was sending them out. In this particular instance in Matthew chapter 10, he says, when you are arrested. You know, Jesus didn't make them come in and he said, hey guys, I, I got a couple of forms for you to sign um, now that you've decided to follow me. Um, I've got a few uh, insurance waivers for you to sign. Um, 
because uh, you're probably going to get arrested, and I'm pretty sure I don't need you to come back and try to sue me for that. Um, okay, there's that one waiver. This is also, too, that you won't uh, act uh, without someone with you. Uh, you know, he, he just, Jesus didn't have any forms for him to sign. He just tells them, when you get arrested, don't worry about the words to say. He tells him, he says, when you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God, shoop, teleprompter, will give you the right words at the right time. And so now the old boys have been arrested. And they're in front of the old boys that have seen them run. And I believe they think with everything in them that they think that they're going to bully him. They probably even had a sidebar conversation and said, hey, don't worry about these boys. They're runners. They're scared. We'll flex our muscle and we'll get them to shut up real quick. Acts 4. Look what Peter's filled with. Acts 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, and that's all I'm going, to, I'm going to stop right there. Who is Peter filled with? Holy Who are you filled with? Holy is there any difference in the Holy Spirit that Peter's filled with and then you? Yes, is there any variance on age? Does age have anything to do with it? Class, does age have anything to do with it? No. This Holy Spirit that's in you is the same one that I'm reading that Peter's filled with. And then he goes on and he's eyeballing Caiaphas and the old fellas and he reminds them specifically that you were the ones that tried to kill Jesus. But my God raised him and he has defeated death. And I am filled with him. I'm just going to remind you that I cannot, will not stop talking of the things that I have seen and heard. <laughs> and that response came when he asked him again, by whose authority? And then he told him, he said, we want you to stop. We want you to stop, Peter. And that's when Peter said, I will not. Because all he wanted folks to do was to believe and receive. Then once you believe and receive, gang, it's got to turn just a little. Okay? Believe what you've received. Believe and receive. And believe what you've received. Believe who you've received. Believe who you received. It's its incredible power. Now the thing about this is, we're going to start winding this up. When Peter and John were released back to their community, they let them go. And they told all their friends about what went down. Here's the thing that I love about this scene. When Peter and John got tossed in jail, I don't, I don't think that they had this conversation. So they're sitting in jail. I don't believe one or the other one went, Dad, it. John, 
believe John looked at Peter and went, you just can't keep that mouth shut, can you? You just, you just got to run that yapper trapper all the time, Peter. And then Peter, he didn't look back at John and said, well, you're the one he, he, you say that he loves. What are we doing in jail? They didn't, they didn't let their circumstances blow them up, gang. They never did say, what if we hadn't said anything? I don't believe that was on their radar screen. But for us, sometimes this is a little bit too dramatic of a scene because a lot of us aren't quite, we won't be kind of in this scene, would we? But I believe we are if we just will help make it relative. Think of those scenes where you know without a shadow of a doubt that there was some truth that needed to be that, that you wanted to share with someone. Starting with yourself. And that's all that's as far as I want to go. And what I'm talking about is that any time that you place yourself with these conversations within your own spirit that's contrary to how God sees you, you're on the wrong teleprompter. You have gone off script. You can, you can bash that teleprompter because you've gone off script and the one that says, that's in front of you says, you're filled with me, Bivo. You stand in the presence of me. Don't worry about the man in front of you. You're standing in the presence of the mighty God of the universe, the one that has blown life into you, the one that blasts tombs out, the one that says, go forth and make disciples of all nations, starting in your homes, going to work, I cannot help but tell of the things that I have seen and I have heard. That's your script. That's all you ever have to share with anyone. So here's what I want to do as we close. The question is asked. How do you follow the prompting? How do you follow the encouraging? How do you trust and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit within you? That's a great question. I believe we do so just as the disciples did. I believe that there is this peace that comes over. So, all right, remember, go back to when your I'm not sure moment or the moment when you're going so-and-so pops on your, on your heart. Remember that moment? Those, those random thoughts. And we play it out in our head. When you play it out on how it may play out, do you have peace with it? Or do you try to complicate it? Alright? I want to I say that again. The moment comes. For example, Peter and John. They would have had zero peace had they walked away from that scene not telling who Jesus is in, in, in their life. Especially when it was in front of the leaders. So it's in those moments when you start having those questions within yourself is that you're following and trusting the motive of God within you. If God is for me, He's not going to lead me down a path of destruction. It may look like it, 
Be, being put in jail is kind of stinky. I don't know about y'all, but I, I think at times we just kind of slough that off. Can you imagine being thrown in a jail in the first century? They absolutely beat the crap out of you. A lot of times you're sitting in your own waist, but they had peace in it. Does peace come over you when you play out the decision to follow through with the trusting and the leading of God? That's how I believe you know that you're following the will of God within you. Last thing. What have you been saying no to? Remember, look what I said. Not not who, but what. What have I been saying no to? And who will I say yes to? Is my what getting in way of who? Trust the, the, the leading. Trust the teleprompter. Trust the encouraging. Trust the reminder. He's reminding you of who you are in Him. He's reminding you that you have all of the power in the world to follow Him in all areas of your life. How do we follow the leading of the Spirit in all areas of our life? You ask Him. He'll show you. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that all um, of our part right now has just been all about you. Uh, Lord, we love you. Everyone's coming up, and uh, we are going to participate in communion. Um, Father, I pray that we do so in such a manner that uh, that frees all of us up. Lord, if there's anything that we've been uh, holding back, or if there's any area of our life that has been, uh, Father, that we've gone off script, I just pray that we would trust you in this encouragement. Father, that we would just be stretching out our believing muscles as we do so. So, Lord, we love you. We uh, thank you for who you are in our life. And it's in the amazing Jesus Christ, the Nazarene name that we pray. Amen. Amen.